Coming up on the Fox Rugby Podcast this week, we'll head into Wallaby Camp and talk with the feisty little halfback, Will Genia, getting set for the Ireland Series beginning in Brisbane this weekend. Then it's off to Melbourne. Dave Vessels, fresh off that big win at Eden Park in Auckland over the Blues. And the Rebels head to Perth this weekend to take on the Western Force. And speaking of the Western Force, their skipper, Ian Pryor, joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby, and this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, thanks for joining us this week, and with me, Christy Doran from foxsports.com.au. Christy, welcome to you. It's been a big week of rugby and a big week coming up and what a game it's going to be in Brisbane on Saturday night. Hasn't it what, Nicholas? And I'm really excited about this weekend because there's a bit of optimism within Australia at the moment. A few successful results in the Super Rugby weekend. Ireland has arrived. They're always fun people to have a drink and enjoy the crack with. So <laughs> a lot to look forward to. Yes, indeed. And uh, well, you talk about those results and... Um, Dave Vessels joining us shortly, and wouldn't he be a happy man with uh, the Rebels getting the win at Eden Park? It was 20 points to 10 over the Blues. The Blues have been, uh, shall we say, horrible at home this year. Uh, But nevertheless, full credit to the Rebels. They were very, very good. Yeah, they were. And and particularly the 10 minutes either side of of halftime, which was just massive. So they kind of bomb two or three opportunities, particularly halfway through the half, and you just thought, ah, here we go again. We've seen it before. An Australian side just dropping dropping the ball, missing tackles. As soon as a New Zealand side gets in the opposition 22, they score, and that happens. So uh, good to see people like Reese Hodge play well. I thought he was really composed. Billy Meeks scored a couple of tries and was sensational. But what I think I really most enjoyed was the forwards. The, the interplay between the locks of Adam Coleman, Matt Phillip had a great match too. We saw the back row playing well. Lots of positive signs, particularly leading into the Test Series. We know how important Adam Coleman is. Indeed, and sometimes, well, actually more than sometimes, often uh, in recent years with that June series, um, it's almost done and dusted in terms of who's going to finish top of the Australian Conference. And we come back after June to, to finish the minor rounds of the Super Rugby season, and it's kind of like, oh, you yeah. know, can we get this over with? Can we, can we start with the finals, please? But it's wide open now because uh, the Rebels and the Waratahs are neck and neck at the top of the Australian Conference. They play each other. What is it, June 29? Mm. And... That is going to be fascinating because it might well, depending on other results, decide the top of the Australian Conference, decide who gets a a home final. So uh, the race is well and truly on for that top spot. Yeah, yeah, well and truly. And look, over the last two years with the poor performances of Australian sides, it was more like, I think, just super rugby in general. It was, you just... It was a, a frustrating couple of years because New Zealand rugby was just so clear far beyond where Australian rugby was, that really it was just New Zealand first, daylight second, the Lions third in South Africa, and Australia a distant last. So um, the, the Reds, even on the weekend, like they, they did, certainly didn't beat the Waratahs, but they tested them at mm. times. They started well. There was a little bit of aggression about it. And, yeah, there was lots of points, but so exciting because as a derby, 
we so often come to a Monday, Greg Clark walks in the building, he generally used to always... <laughs> Kicking cans. Yeah, because it was a dog it, it was a boring, there was penalties, there was scrum resets, but not this occasion, what, 52 to 41, a record amount of points scored and a lot of good tries. Yep, 15 tries, 8 tries to the Waratahs, 7 tries to the Reds. And, you know, you look at that scoreline, I have heard the criticism, oh, where was the defence, you know? And, and sure, if you've got 15 tries, there's probably going to be some defensive errors in there somewhere. But a lot of those tries, particularly from the Waratahs, were well-constructed, they were well-thought-out, well-executed, and it was just some genuinely good rugby played. And you talked about the optimism in Australia, and there, there certainly is. And you've got the, the test coming up this weekend, and we'll talk to... Will Genia uh, very shortly and see how he's going in, in Wallaby camp. But, you know, there's a bit of unknown about Ireland. Uh, they've got some, some youngsters. Of course, they are the Six Nations champions. They're number two in the world. Uh, they are the form side in the world at the moment. And then you've got these questions to be answered about the Australian team. For example, who's going to play hooker? Um, Jordan Ulysses was our most experienced hooker with 35 minutes of test rugby. <laughs> well, he did his knee, so he's not there anymore. So someone's going to get a debut. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the makeup of the back row. Um, is it Pete Samu? Is it Caleb Timu? Uh, will he go with, with Hooper and Pocock? You know, there's, there's all, you know, who plays outside centre? There's all these questions to be answered. It's a really exciting time. Yeah, it is. And speaking of, of hookers, I think Brandon Panga Amosa was brilliant. What I'm really loving about him is just his pick and go. Like the bloke is every time he gets gets the ball, sets an opportunity. He's pretty smart and clever with the lines he picks, just left or right of the ruck. And Australian rugby does not do nearly enough of it. it the All Blacks do it time and time again, and it's a it's a good way to reset. I think is if if I think there was a there was an instance where Moses Serebi, the halfback, just looked completely lost with what to do. He looked left, he looked right. In the end, he decided to go himself. I think Phil Kearns said in commentary that, ah, oh, look, he looks pretty calm in a situation where a bloke who's only played five or six caps could have looked flustered. He takes the tackle and straight away, quick play the ball, uh, quick release at the back of the ruck. Panger and Moses straight through, gets five or six metres. And the Reds made a break shortly after that. It didn't stick to hand, but um, he's, a, he's a guy who's pretty good across the field. He's played a lot of minutes. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if he's named starting hooker uh, against the Irish. Yep, and he's just uh, that, that hard work is just the sort of thing that uh, Michael Checker likes. And I love that, uh, that story. Uh, that was written, you know, he's, he's been a theology student, he's been a labourer, he's, he's been, been a garbo, a, garbo, a scaffolder, you know, he's in his, he's and he did approaching his mid-twenties and finally he gets the yeah. opportunity He drives all the way from, from Victoria up to, to Brisbane to, 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 to train under Brad Thorne and then makes that spot his own. It's brilliant. It is. The, it's the a story. great story. Falao Fyanga, another, worked alongside him as, as a garbo, which is even oh, just the uncanny, that. Yeah. But, um, and there's something in that about... I think this is with my old man's hat on, but there's something about life experience. Yeah. You know, that, that you haven't got on the treadmill as a kid and been told at the age of 13, you know, you're something special and you get everything handed to you on, on a plate through your teenage years and get drafted into a squad and, you know, you haven't had any life experience. It's like federal politicians, you know, when they go into... I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> you know, when but they I go into people turning young liberal or young Labor but, but, or, or go through the union movement. I mean, this guy's had a, a taste of the real world, and he is going to wake up every day in that Wallaby camp yeah. and enjoy 
every moment of the experience that uh, he's been given and, and well-deserved. And the, and the person that might be lining up next to him could be Taniela Tupo, who's mm. been brilliant. I think for, for mine, I would have Sakopi Kepu with his experience starting and the damage that Tupo could do off the bench. Let's not forget he's played one test against Scotland. Um, Tupo has. So it would be... It'd be fitting, though, if he did start, given that the game is going to be played at Suncorp Stadium. But uh, a lot of excitement, I think, in this front row. And just quickly, uh, because Will Genia isn't far away, but um, your back row, what's your back row makeup? Oh, I've really not given too much thought about it. No, I have. Um, uh, Pocock. Well, I... you, you, you have, you've, thought, you've thought about this Wallaby squad for weeks. You managed to get Tom Banks selected, so... Thank you, you know, very much. No, that's credit where credit's due. Because um, uh, I know Michael Checker takes a lot of notice of what you think. Well, he's been on the podcast before, Michael Checker. I mm. believe he, he likes to listen in, dial in every now and again when he's Does driving. He? Does he? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, anyway. Um, but David Pocock, to answer your question, I think uh, with, with Hooper in the back row, I think you, you can't leave out Pocock. Uh, Cooper's going to start. He's the captain. Pocock's one of the best players in the world. You need your class players in there, particularly against Irish, who are strong on the ball. Um, and I think given the yeah, given his half an hour cameo against the Waratahs on the weekend, Caleb Timo, I think, mm. has to probably start at the, the back of the scrum. I think against someone like a CJ Stander, who's going to start for the Irish, the two of them, Stander class, a British and Irish line player. But, but Timu does a little bit like him. He Carries the ball really strong. He's fairly good in the set piece. A test debut, though, um, for either him or if it's Pete Samo, or if, even if it was Luke Antui to, to potentially play at six, six as yeah. well. Could he come out of second grade? Uh, <laughs> would be ridiculous to think that Souths didn't field a first grade side in, in Brisbane club rugby uh, and therefore had to play second grade, uh, a wallaby, uh, and could be playing against the Irish this weekend. Uh, Outstanding. All right. Well, let's uh, let's find out a bit about what's been happening in Wallaby Camp. Uh, Will Genia standing by on the Fox Rugby podcast. You're listening to the Fox Rugby podcast. Will Genia, welcome to the Fox Rugby podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, so. Actually, I wanted to hit you first up with a really hard-hitting question. Oh, sure. It's something that all the fans are wondering. What colour is the hair this week? Is it something special for the <laughs> island test? Well, I figured I, I, it couldn't be blonde, so I was a bit worried that if I was back playing this week, I'm not, I'm not running it with blonde hair, so I dyed it back black, but it's too black. So it's, <laughs> it's, it still looks a bit weird. So hopefully after a couple of washes, it goes back to normal. But, yeah, it's, it's still a bit off at the moment. Right. How much fun are you having with it? Because it seems like every every week. Yeah, well, I, I used to always shave my head back back in the day. Probably a little bit of George Green inspired there, but um, <laughs> his was more natural, I think. But no, um, pot shot. <laughs> my um, yeah, I've, I've always wanted to grow it and do different things with it, and I guess um, I was always worried about what people would think. Obviously, having to play footy in front of like you know big crowds and things like that. But I kind of realised where now I just don't really care. I just wanted to do it because it's a bit of fun and. Uh, yeah, it's just a bit of enjoyment. How much fun is it being back in Wallaby Camp, man? I mean, I think we get a sense of how much you enjoy it, how much you value it. Um, is it is it some of the best time of your life? Oh, definitely. I, I love it. You know, I was having a chat to Keps just yesterday on the bus trip home, talking about how much you, you just appreciate it more being a little bit older, because the, obviously the end's a little bit closer than the well, a lot closer than the start. So 
you kind of sit back and just really enjoy it and, and just you know, enjoy the fact that you get to represent your country with um, an amazing bunch of players, but more than that, I think an amazing bunch of people. And uh, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful to be here and um, and to be representing Australia and the Wallabies. Well, what's it like? Uh, there's there's always new characters, uh, players coming into camp. What are like some of the some of the youngsters, or even a couple of the older guys that you might not have met or come across? Uh, what are they like? In their first camp, uh, I think that like the younger blokes that obviously come over the new guys that come in tend to be a little bit quiet and uh, um, probably stick to themselves a little bit. But I think one difference in sort of the checker Wallaby years compared to the years that I've had before is guys when they get here they 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 tend to find their feet and, uh, a little bit quicker in the sense that they become a little they become more comfortable in themselves and. You know, they tend to express themselves a lot earlier, which is good because you've got a good mixture of characters. Uh, you know, someone like Jack Maddox, obviously, he was pretty quiet the first time he came in, but um, started to sort of express himself. He's a bit of a, you know, he likes to have a joke, have a laugh, and, um, you know, it, it, it's really good. You think back to when you first started, were you a bit like that? Did it take you a while? You a little bit standoffish at, at the start? Oh, man, I was just nervous. I remember that when I first walked into camp, it was at Manly. Uh, and the first person I saw was George Smith, so that was incredibly <laughs> daunting. You know, there was like the George Smith, the, the Sterling Mortlocks and Matt Giddos, uh all these guys that you sort of idolise and look up to, and um, they were all pretty pretty kind, but and, and nice. But um, it was certainly a different sense back then. You know, they they were like absolute superstars, and you just walk in and as, as this young kid. So for me, probably I found it a little bit. Um, it took me a little bit longer to sort of get comfortable. Uh, as opposed to, I think, the younger blokes are coming to the group now. Well, you made an interesting comment yesterday, I think, when you were speaking to the media, where you said, um, and, and speaking of getting older and appreciating things, the, tw- the 2011 World Cup, I'm sure you probably don't want to talk about it too much, uh, and nor would I, but, but losing to Ireland, you, I think you said that you might have, or well, Australia might have underestimated Ireland slightly. I suppose... Some people would say off the top, oh, how, how is that possible? It's a World Cup. It's an important match. On this particular occasion, I don't think you can ever underestimate a, a side that's ranked above you in the ratings. But by Ireland coming down, the world number two side, what are you expecting and and, um, and how difficult is the challenge going to be? Yeah, I, I did say that, but that's just being honest. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you're not going to please everybody. So I was just being honest in the sense that, like, at Probably, you know, going to that World Cup, you, 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 we came off the back of beating the All Blacks and winning the Tri Nations, and, and you're probably a little bit, high. yeah, exactly. And you're probably a little bit high and mighty, which is a bad thing, you know. So for us, yeah, we like, yeah, you know, and even personally, I probably went into that game thinking that we're going to win, and whether that's disrespect or not, I don't know. That's probably something that I just said, but um, it was a humbling thing to lose. You know, we ended up obviously making it to the semi-final still, but. Uh, it was definitely a big learning sort of curve for me. But, you know, coming into this series, uh, yeah, they're obviously playing really, really good rugby. You know, a really good style of rugby, a really good brand of rugby that's, I think, good to watch, but also winning rugby. You know, like they they, they, they put pressure on you through uh, contestable kicks. They put pressure on you through maintaining possession. And then they're, they're, I think they're very good defensively as well. So they're going to be very tough. Um, but I think, you know, we can take a lot of confidence from the fact that guys who are here, are, you know, playing really well for their super rugby clubs and, um, you know, it's it's our backyard. You know, we got to we got to have some pride. We got to have some um, confidence in, in that in itself. 
How difficult is it? Well, you may not agree with, with the assumption behind this question, but they obviously know their game very well. They're a group that's been together. Uh, they've had great success in recent times. Obviously, Six Nations champs, Grand Slam, they're on a, a hot streak of wins. Whereas this Wallaby squad will have some new faces in it. Um, and and new combinations, so so probably isn't quite as sure about uh, where it is at the moment. Does that make it difficult for Australia not to have that sort of run in, just to to hit that first test and need to be at your best immediately? Uh, well, it's been the case for like the last you know, few years since having the June test, so it's something that everybody's quite used to. But I think the good thing about the squad here is that you've got a core group of players who have been here um, you know, pretty much the whole time since Czech's taken over as coach. So, And there's a good understanding of how it is that we want to play. And I think the onus is on us as those players to, to really drive that and keep things simple. You know, we've obviously got a short prep. Um, but on the back you know, on the back of that, they've obviously had a, an incredibly long season. Then they have to travel all the way down here and get prepared and get themselves up mentally. Um, so it works both ways. It's going to be tough for both, both sides for different reasons. But I think the thing with Ireland is, like, for me... They know their game so well, but the biggest thing that gives you confidence in terms of a game is winning. You know, you, you, it's almost like positive reinforcement that, you, that the way that you're playing, the things you're doing are working. And the fact that they've won the Six Nations with a Grand Slam and they're playing really, really good, really good rugby, their provincial sides are playing good rugby, they're obviously going to come in on the back of a lot of confidence. So it'll make it pretty tough for us. But um, it, it, honestly, it's a really exciting challenge. And um, I know a lot of the boys are pretty pumped to, to, to rip in on Saturday in Brizzy. Yeah, speaking of winning, I think it's Johnny Sexton who hasn't lost in almost a year. The last time he, he tasted a defeat in a match was the All Blacks' uh, first British and Irish Lions test, so back in June last year. For yourself, uh, like you mentioned that the, the winning mentality within the group, uh, I suppose the last two years, Australian Super Rugby sides haven't really had that leading into to June. You didn't take part in that, that victory across the ditch over the weekend, but I'm sure even the, just the Melbourne guys, and there's a few of them in the, in the squad, would have got a lot of confidence about beating a, a New Zealand team uh, leading into this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Like to be honest, I think there's a lot made of that. You know, like at the end of the day, yeah, you, we haven't won against Kiwi teams, but like personally, like with, I don't know what people are seeing me saying is I just don't really think about it like that. I just think we just lose. You know, you don't think about, and it's like if you win as well, you don't think that. Like someone asked me yesterday, you don't think that you're going to beat the Six Nations champs. You just think you're going to beat a good team. That's how I think. So I think for me personally, I think too much is made of that, but. You, I just think that the, the Super Rugby sides, for me, are playing some really good rugby, really exciting rugby. You look at the Tars and the Reds game and obviously the Rebels game as well, and the Brumbies played really well, I thought, um, yeah, in patches against the Sunwolves. So, uh, and then you bring together the best players from those clubs who are obviously contributing very well to, 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 the, to their team's success. And I, think, I just think there's a lot of confidence that you're pulling together. So if we can get things right as far as our game, you know, guys are coming on the back of being well-conditioned and, and playing some good rugby. I think we give ourselves an opportunity to actually gel quite well and quite quickly and actually play well. Um, Will, as we're sitting here recording this podcast, uh, the news has come through that Jordan Ulisi uh, with that ACL will be out for the rest of the year. And, you know, that's devastating for a young guy who was hoping to make a big impact uh, in the Wallaby jersey, you know, in that squad that was initially picked. He was the, the most experienced hooker. Um, so you will have a heavy heart with that news, no doubt, and particularly from a Melbourne point of view. But... Rugby being what it is, that injury creates an opportunity for uh, a couple of very fresh faces in this side. How special is it uh, for those guys to to come in? And I've 
of course, talking about Falau Fanga and um, and uh, Pena Ramosa. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, you, you see them in and around the group, with, I guess, with a sense that they're, they're probably going to play on the weekend. You, know, they're, well, you could say they're definitely going to play. One's going to start, one's going to come off the bench. And uh, it's just like, as a senior player, for me, like I just, it's just really exciting to see that. You know, see how much it means to them and see how, how they take to their work. You know, see the nerves, see a bit of the anxiety and all that sort of stuff. And I guess just trying to help them with like a little word or two uh, as they go along. But yeah, they're guys, as I said, that have been playing really well uh, in their Super Rugby club, particularly Brendan. I think he's been very good at the set piece, um, at the scrum and the line uh, And that's been a big strength of the Reds. So they're coming in on the back of the, having played some good rugby. And, um, you know, you just got to really encourage them to, to see that and to take confidence from that. Uh, well, uh, Saturday's game clearly the, the first test. It's it's always huge, and you, it's great to start with a, with a win. But how do you go about that? Do you do you expect many differences in in the Michael Checker Wallaby side this week as opposed to the last couple of years, or is it simply just refining what you've done? Yeah, I think as I said, like you've got a cool group of players, and it's a uh, pretty uh, like a playing style that that is that has been sort of down pat for the last few years. Yeah. It's just a case of. Um, you know, tweaking little bits and pieces based on the opposition, and it's been that different. I think more than anything, we're trying to make things as simple as possible so that we can get out there and concentrate on the attrition of a game, you know, more so than anything else, because um, you can't do too much having just got together on, on Sunday, and, you know, some guys late Sunday night. Um, but I think it's, 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 been, it's been really um, it's been really good. Like, it's been a tough couple of days um, with, in terms of the prep physically and, uh, you know, mentally trying to get everything down pat. But, you know, if we can do that, uh, as I said, I think that uh, we can take a lot of confidence into playing them on Saturday. Well, I've heard Michael Checker uh, talk about one of the themes for this year and, and also Michael Hooper and uh, Bernard Foley, and that is no excuses. The Wallabies will have no excuses. Can you can you tell us why that's such an important part of uh, everything that you guys will try and do this year? Well, it's about it's all incorporates a lot of things. Um, you know, it, uh, I guess it's really simple as well. Like in and amongst, say, like training or like the playing group, it's a case of um, not no case of saying you should have done that or I didn't do this because of that. It's just just do it sort of thing, and that uh, that sort of filters right throughout the the environment on the field and off the field. And uh, it's probably learning to be harder on each other and hold each other each other accountable to to a higher standard. I think if we can do that. Um, I definitely think that you can, you'll see the benefits of that on the field and we can play much better rugby for longer periods of time and be consistent because I think a lot of the times, yeah, we can beat New Zealand once off, but then it takes another two years to beat them, you know, or uh, we, we have a really good game, two good games, and then we drop off. So it's about that no-excuse mentality is as much about consistency as anything else. Uh, well, just uh, just saying lighter, mate. Oh, the Irish, they're, they're known as friendly people. Uh, you always like to have a Guinness, and, and they, they're a bit of fun. What's your what's your favourite experience uh, or, or memory of, of coming up against the Irish? And it might have even been over in Ireland too. Um, Certainly put you on the spot there, haven't I? <laughs> no, nah, my, my favourite experience playing was back in 2009. You know, we played against... At, uh, at Croke Park, I think it was one of the last games ever played. It's traditionally, I think, a Gaelic football stadium. Uh, incredible atmosphere and playing against the likes of Roma, Gara, Brian O'Driscoll, Paul O'Connell. Uh, we ended up, it was a 20-all draw with O'Driscoll scoring under the sticks with the, with the last play of the game. But uh, again, one of those things where I was only 21 at the time and you're playing against guys who, 
you know, it might sound silly, but you played with on PlayStation, Rugby 08, and all, all those sorts of things. So <laughs> to be out there, and I saw Rona Agar when we played the Crusaders in, in Melbourne, uh, and had a good, you know, had a good conversation, good chat with him, and uh, that probably be my favourite memory because you know it was a long time ago, but it was it was, a, it was an incredible experience playing against those great players. Yeah, I think Ronan's uh, actually going to be in Brisbane on the weekend, so he'll be savouring every moment of the first test, uh, Ireland and the Wallabies. And uh, we will savour every moment of you, Willie, back in the, the gold jersey once again in, in 2018. Go well, and thanks for having a chat with us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Cheers, Will. It is always good to have a chat with uh, with Will Genia anytime, anywhere, and uh, let's keep that Rebels flavour going for a moment as we say a very warm welcome to Dave Vessels to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Dave, thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast and congratulations, a win at Eden Park, all too rare for Australian teams. Yeah, Nick, it uh, feels feels pretty good, eh? as I said, to leave Auckland for a change with a win, you know, make, makes for a very nice change. Just <laughs> been there a lot of times and, and left feeling pretty miserable, so... Yeah, it was, it was Mate, a nice way to go into the, into the break. You're not the uh, – it's well, I think 2013 was the last time an Australian coach departed Eden Park with a, a victory. Uh, I think it was the mm-hmm. Brumbies back in 2013. It's been an eternity since the Wallabies won over there. What's the secret? <laughs> oh, I, th- I think for us, you know, the most pleasing thing is just you – know, we, we, we had a patch in the middle of the season where we just sort of lost our way a little bit. Um, and the best, the best part about that was just that, uh, I think everyone sort of stayed in the boat and everyone kept working, you know, and, um, as a team, that's kind of the, the growing pains that we needed to go through as a team. And the fact that we sort of got through it on the other side with everyone still engaged and, uh, you know, um, wanting to work hard and things like that is a real positive for us going forward. And we're going to have a lot of other challenges over the next couple of weeks, but, um, I think we can take a lot of heart for the fact the way everybody kind of behaved and went about our business during that difficult time and and, uh, and then obviously fortunately that resulted in some you know three wins in a row which is which has been a really nice way to go into the, into the break and the most recent of those at uh, at Eden Park in Auckland was without Will Genia does that signify to you that this team uh, has perhaps grown up a bit because I think that most people identified um, maybe a, a lack of leadership and a lack of experience uh, when he either departs the field or or isn't in the team do you think that uh, that's something that's developed over the last month or so I think I think leadership's probably probably something that you know we knew right from the start of the year that we're going to have to build I mean when we went to to play the Bulls in Pretoria there were only four players in our team who'd ever been to Loftus before um, and um, you know unfortunately one of the things is just uh, we uh, we, we need uh, to build combinations of people and we need to give people those experiences so that we can develop into a, a consistently high-performing team. And it's, it's not going to happen in five minutes. Uh, and, and sometimes things don't go your way uh, along the journey, but you just got to keep fighting your way out of it. And I thought particularly our win against the Brumbies kind of was pretty indicative of that. We didn't play mm-hmm. the best rugby, but we were we were sort of in a corner and we just fought our way out of it. And that was, that was really pleasing because that win was really based on character, you know, and... Uh, that set us up then to, to get some confidence again and start playing some of the rugby that uh, that was probably more similar to, to the rugby we started out with in the, at the start of the season, um, and and um, and that's that's been great. I think probably on the will issue is just um, you know one of the things that's made that very easy is probably the performances of Michael Rue. You know I think Mikey's probably played his best two or three games that I've seen him play over the last uh, over the last you know last couple of month, uh, last couple of weeks. So uh, obviously. 
was a world-class player, but we were really lucky to have the, the likes of a Mikey Wu to step into the to the void when he's not around. Uh, Dave, a couple of other players that have, have really stood up recently, Bill Meeks, a couple of tries on the weekend, and, and he was huge. Um, just just the, the try that Dane Haylett-Petty scored coming into the or the end of the, the first half, how significant was that? Because throughout the game, I'm sure you would have been, there was two or three opportunities where you really could have scored and I, I dare say in the coaching box you would have been frustrated so having that try and taking the the lead and the, the momentum out of that how important was it yeah I mean as you know Christy first of all coaching is not you know I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend that to anybody I've aged about 3,000 years um, <laughs> as I keep keep reminding you guys and it's a uh, you have a lot of those moments in the box you know and I think one of the things we struggled with in the early part of the year was you know, the old cliche of sort of playing for 80 minutes, but probably more so playing towards the back end of, of, of games, you know. So we, we just focused on that. Our strength and conditioning staff did, a, did a, a great job. And in the last couple of games, we've actually finished the better team in the back end of games. So we've, we've kind of managed to get on top of that issue and, and reverse it. Um, and I think part of that is, is, you know, as much as there's a physical side to that, there's a mental side to that too, you know, just staying engaged mentally uh, at the back end of halves. Um, um, has has made a huge difference for us, and so that you know obviously that trial was when you're talking about was 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 really important. Um, um, but I also think you know you you raised Billy Meeks there. Bill's Bill's pretty indicative of that sort of fighting spirit that I that I spoke about earlier because I don't think he was playing his best rugby in the middle of the part of the year. Uh, he was kind of mature enough to admit that, uh, and he's kind of looked at some of the things he's doing in terms of his preparation and different things, and has been a totally different person probably in the last three or four weeks just around training and he's really, really applied himself. Uh, and so I'm so pleased that that's been then reflected in his performances, you know, and that's a good lesson for, for him but also for the other players around him. That that's, you know, um, not a lot happens in, in professional sport because of luck. Things yeah. happen because of process and hard work, you know, and uh, and Bill's really taken that on board and so I'm really pleased that he's got the reward for that. And Bill's performance comes off the back of being left out of a, a Wallaby squad. He featured heavily in that uh, he didn't get it on for a test debut last year, but he was he's in that squad for, for much of the year. Uh, Reese Hodge once again played 10 and, and controlled the game really well. He's, he's the Mr. Fix-It in Australian rugby at the moment. Do you see, given his recent performances, um, the the absence of many 10s in the country at the moment, do you see that you think he, he's going to play more at 10 as the year goes on? Yeah, I mean, we've obviously been pretty pleased with him there. You know, like he, he is a big body. He's, he's tough and, and he's... Um, um, uh, he, he's he's got the ability when things don't quite go his way just to to get the ball on his arm and go forward, which is which is a really nice attribute in a ten, you know. And um, I think his mindset is that he's pretty happy to play in different positions because he knows that at a, at a national level that's where he'll be used, probably similar to maybe a way, uh, um, the way a guy like Adam Ashley Cooper was probably used a couple of mm. years ago, you know. And, um, he, he he's in, he's probably he's incredibly valuable to us and probably at the same at the same time and for the same reasons pretty valuable to the Wallabies. Hey Dave, um, just on the Wallabies, Will Genia uh, said yesterday that you know, he's probably about eighty eighty five percent last weekend and he he could have played at a push if it wasn't a Test match this weekend he probably would have played. Did you um, agree in any way to, to help the Wallabies or is it just the, you know, did you get a call from Michael Checker saying, you know, do you think we could manage uh, Will Genia here or is it is it just something that uh, you felt was the right thing to do? 
No, Chick, Chick and I spoke about it, and um, you know, I appreciated the way he sort of went about it. And uh, um, again, you know, probably the performances of Mikey Ruru made that decision easier on me. I think, I think on reflection, you know, I, I didn't want our decision there to uh, uh, put any pressure on on what the Brumbies were doing. In actual fact, at the time, I, I wasn't even aware, you know, uh, that there was that there was a, a similar request happening at the Brumbies. Mm. So. Um, I didn't want that to play out of the kind of us versus them, as, as I think it probably did in the end. But it certainly wasn't my intention when we when we had that move. Did you feel? And I think our circumstances are, are probably different to the, to the Brumbies in that our, yeah. we had a player coming back from injury, who uh, you know isn't at a at a hundred percent fitness. Had it been a had it been a regular Super Rugby game, he probably would have played. But I think in uh, you know after discussions with Czech and understanding his importance to the national team and that sort of thing. I think it was, uh, it was, it was the right thing to do. And obviously having got the win, uh, it feels pretty good that we, we, we moved in that direction. And perhaps just a comment here. It's, it's interesting that you say this, the circumstances were different, but uh, if you look at the, the, the way the table's coming together, the rebels, if, if they don't win that game against the blues, your, your super rugby playoff chances uh, it, it's a lot more difficult to, to make the top eight. So there, there was that side of things as well. Did that come into your mind? Um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, like elements of that is also just saying, look, we, we, we've got a guy in there doing a job for us and do we trust him to do that job? And I, I do trust him to do that job, you know. So uh, um, if, if, a, if, if, if Willie's not feeling 100% fit or whatever the case may be on any given week, we... We we back the guys who 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 are there to do the job, and so far this season that's kind of worked for us. I mean, it's it's not uh, um, yeah. I, I certainly don't want to sort of paint the picture that we holier than thou and all this sort of stuff. It was in the context of where Will was at. We thought it was the right decision, and I can understand why why Checker was asking for that to happen, given that Will was uh, returning from injury. Mm. And um, uh, as I say, I'm, I'm, ple- I'm pleased that it's that it's all kind of worked out the right way. I think we could all feel some sympathy for Dan McKellar and, and the Brumbies, Michael Thompson, the CEO there. You know, they not only are they trying to win and keep their uh, keep alive their, their playoff hopes, uh, they've also got the issue of trying to get bums on seats there. I, we could all see that point of view, I think, and well, you, you probably had some too. sympathy. And, and a first-year coach, you're right. You, you would have sympathy for the Brumbies situation, I would imagine, Dave. Oh, 100%. And I think I think, I think Checker would as well, you know. Uh, he's he's obviously coached at a provincial level as well. He'd, he'd kind of understand the other side of the fence. And certainly in the conversation that I had with him, you know, he expressed that to me, you know, that he understood how, how you know, that we'd, we'd want Will to play and all this sort of stuff. And um, But it was a very, it was a very, on our end, it was just, it was a, it was an amicable decision. And I think, uh, I think um, given the circumstances, obviously the right one. Now, um, you've got the, the break. Now, and we'll talk about uh, where you're heading next week. But um, after the break, there's a massive game coming up against the Waratahs. I imagine, in a way, you, you kind of wish you could just keep playing because in Super Rugby, momentum is king, and you've got some momentum at the moment. But how special will that game be against the Waratahs? It, it might well be the game that decides the top of the Australian Conference. Yeah, I think I think any time you play the Waratahs is special, you know, because they, um, you know, they've sort of been the pace the pacemaker in Australian rugby for the last couple of years. So, um, um, yeah, uh, we look forward to having them, and we 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 probably haven't played all that well against them in the last two outings. We played a trial game against them in uh, um, uh, sort of yeah, that's right before the before the start of Super Rugby, and then obviously really didn't play well. 
um, against them in Sydney at the start of the year. It was probably one of the really few games where I thought, geez, we really didn't, we really didn't pitch up, you know. And um, um, so we want to make amends for that. And I think one of the things that's probably worked for us over the last couple of weeks is, and sounds very cliched, but just just uh, trying to understand how we play our best our best rugby and um, trying to make sure that we we put that out on the park every time we go out. Because I think in the middle part of the year, you know, whether we were getting kind of carried away with all the permutations or, or whatever it was or, you know, um, trying to um, probably change our style dramatically week to week and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, uh, you know, we sort of lost our way a little bit doing those things. And so we just want to, we just want to go back to, to what's been working for us over the last couple of weeks. And um, I think if we can do that, then it'll be, should be a hell of a game. Yeah, it will be a hell of a game. That match is on the, the 29th of June in Melbourne. So make sure you get down to that one for all the Victorians out there. Um, this weekend, though, uh, NIB Stadium, you return to face the Western Force. How are you feeling ahead of this match? I'm sure you've got a, a whole stack of emotions and, and certainly the people of Perth and the West Australians will too. Yeah, it's been pretty overwhelming just the messages and things that we've got from people out west over the last couple of days. You know, like it's it's made it all pretty special. Um, I'm pretty proud of the fact that you know, the Rebels are the team, the Australian team that's 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 going over there to support everything that they're trying to do and trying to keep rugby alive there. You know, so um, um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a great occasion. And uh, obviously, from a personal point of view, for me and and uh, and some of the players that were there. Over the last couple of years, it's you know it was a special place, and um, the way it all kind of ended was all just a bit, um, you know, it was sad, you know, and it wasn't, it, it, it just wasn't a well-managed process in the end. And um, one of the things that never happened probably was the opportunity to say goodbye to, uh, you know, to all the people there and, and thank and thank them for for everything that they'd done for us over the last couple of years. So it's also on that level just an opportunity to to, to do that and. You know, I probably didn't think I'd get the opportunity to play at NIB again, you know, so uh, that sort of stuff's going to be pretty special. Dave, I'm sure you're going over there to, to win, though, as well, and keep this momentum alive. Oh, I mean, I think any time you take a field, you're trying to win, Christy, that's the point of the game, you know. But there is a bigger picture, which is, uh, you know, the, the real reason we're going over there is, you know, we see, uh, well, we certainly feel that, that rugby people are trying to support other other rugby people to promote the game that we love and uh, uh, how we play and, and, and what we try to try to do there in terms of the entertainment factor and stuff is, is going to be important to try to drive that. So we certainly will try to win, but we'll try to do it in the right spirit um, and ensure that, you know, the game is, uh, is, is sort of promoted to people over there in the right way. Dave, uh, good luck. I know you'll enjoy it. I know it's, uh, it's special to you, uh, as you say, and I'm sure the people of Perth will welcome you back with open arms and, uh, and may the Rebels' resurgence continue and uh, right on into the final series. Thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Dave. Cheers. And from a former Western Force coach, we go to their current captain, Ian Pryor. Welcome to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Good guys. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, so uh, Dave's just been telling us how keen he is to, to get across and, well, he, he sees it as a bit of a homecoming in, in many ways, I think. And, and you must be for, looking forward to that match-up against the Rebels, particularly the way they're playing. They've been going well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, uh, an excellent chance for us to come up, up against two rugby team after our first two games and really test ourselves against a quality opposition in the Rebels. You know, they've 
gone really well this season, had a great start and uh, worked their way through a bit of a rough patch in the middle there with their last two wins and done them in style. Yeah, they certainly have. You, you, you yourselves have had a couple of wins against Fiji and, and then against, uh, what, Tonga. And just tell us, like, there have been huge crowds as well, which has been great to see. What's it been like for you? Have you been watching Super Rugby or, or is it more kind of in, in the distance now that, that uh, the force, unfortunately, aren't, aren't part of it at the moment? Yeah, it's certainly been watching, uh, keeping tabs on teams, particularly watching, uh, you know, former teammates that I've played with and against over the years and watching their progress and seeing how they're going. And in all the teams on the East Coast, you know, the Reds, the Waratahs, and you Curtis Ronas, Alex Newsoms, and then obviously the boys at the Brumbies and the Rebels. So certainly been keeping tabs. I got back a little bit after the start because um, I was over with the Harlequins and got back after that contract and sort of super kicked off by then. So... Certainly been watching, certainly been enjoying the rugby that the Australian team's been playing. I suppose you have to, mate, because you pretty much played for every team. <laughs> oh, I'm not that bad, mate. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's it been like, though, Ian? Because, you know, have you seen it, although it is the Western Force, um, there was such an exodus of, of players. Have you seen it as more of a start-up? Because, you know, you would have come back and a lot of new faces and a lot of guys that uh, you probably hadn't met before what's it been like for you and particularly in the leadership position that you hold yeah it certainly um came back and it was like a bit of a startup like you said particularly uh on the commercial side as well getting the staff together getting our coaching staff and the playing squad together and sort of gelling quickly before our first game uh we certainly got through a lot of work those first few weeks in the lead up and then trying to get our heads around obviously the entertainment match day and the distractions that were going to come with that and sort of uh you know, having to warm up in the 22 while skydivers are coming down and fireworks are going <laughs> off and the lights are turning off. So it was certainly a unique perspective um, trying to get across and getting used to that kind of thing. And sort of, you know, we obviously had a, a mixture of experienced guys and your Marcel Brackies and Heath Tessman's, Peter Grants, and then your young guys, the Harry Lloyds, uh, Fergus Lee Warner. So trying to get that mixture of guys into that collective and also just trying to explain... Um, what the jersey means to people over here in WA to those new guys coming in. You know, we in that first week, in the first game, we had people taking days off work and volunteering to come in and pack member packs and game day experience packs, and that was a real eye-opener for the guys that sort of are new to the Western Force. So just trying to get that across um, to them and making them understand how much this club and this organisation means to the people of WA. And and uh, yeah, certainly been enjoying the leadership role, and I had lots of work to do really quickly in the short amount of time that we had, but certainly enjoyed it and has reinvigorated my passion um, and, and sort of uh, waking up every day with a spring in my step and wanting to make sure we take Western Ford forward and World Choose Rugby moving forward. Ah, that's so good to hear. Um, I, can, I know clearly from the East Coast there's a lot of animosity between punters out in the West and, and, and looking at this competition going, it's the, the Shine East Coast competition and so forth, but it's brilliant to hear that the, the competition is live and kicking and the, and the Rebels this weekend. Can you just talk us through Andrew Twiggy Forrest? Because he seems like an incredible sort of man. Yeah, mate, absolutely. It's it's sort of uh, tough to put into words. Um, obviously, it means a lot to the people over here in WA and there's a lot of worthy causes and um, is really passionate about the WA community and obviously wanted to um, keep the, the sort of uh, pathway alive, I guess, Court, moving to make sure we can still produce wallabies like we have in the past and developing the best rugby players we can over in WA and obviously he's seen a unique gap in the market um, and that was the reason for his launch in World Series Rugby and I guess what his point is that you know what we're doing is bigger than 
us versus the East Coast or Western Force versus the East Coast kind of thing. It's sort of we wanted to reinvigorate rugby as a game and as a product, and we're trying to do that over here from WA. And he's obviously been a massive, massive influence on that, wanting to push and try stuff differently, do things differently, both entertainment and rugby-wise. And I think you've seen that um, with the free-to-air, obviously, exposure, as well as Fox Sports and the unique broadcast experience we're trying to get across to uh, not only the WA and Australian public, but obviously uh, the wider outside of rugby sort of spectators getting them involved in um, a great game. Ian, one of the things that I reckon probably hasn't been maybe explained or, or picked up on perhaps, maybe it's the, the media's fault, what do you think the end game is for World Series Rugby? What, what's Andrew Forrest's vision? What's your vision? What can, what can it be? Um, I think it can obviously take the game in terms of a, a competition format quite globally um, and obviously expand to regions where rugby uh, sort of hasn't got a huge footprint yet in the Asia-Pacific and trying to get, you know, your Fiji, your Tongas, your Samoas, all those uh, sort of pools of talent that are um, developing talent and, and going to other teams and other countries, making sure they obviously have their teams and their structures and their organisations right in that. And then obviously we've seen and obviously of the Super Rugby and sort of the news around it um, that's sort of diluting the pool a little bit in terms of its product and we're seeing South Africans go north and whatnot. So I guess mm. it's obviously keeping Australia's options open yeah. and uh, making sure, like I said, we try things differently and sort of uh, be the leaders at the forefront of entertainment and innovation, both off the field as well as on the field. And um, I guess after having been in the UK and seeing the sort of how they run their clubs and how they are structured over there with a the private ownership model and obviously their funding with their RFU, seeing how that works and how that can sort of be brought over here into Australia is quite unique. And I think uh, there's a lot of similarities there. And, and obviously those clubs like your Saracens and your, your Harlequins and whatnot have gone from strength to strength over the years with that balance between the private ownership and RFU's input. So certainly a unique perspective in that regard. And uh, yeah, obviously I'm sure Andrew's got big and, and bold sort of uh, ideas and where he wants to take this competition and we're happy to be part of it and, and do our part over here at the Western Force, both from a playing perspective and from an organisation perspective. Really interesting to, to hear that. Uh, I, I was on the, the, the kind of press call with, with Michael Checker last week and, and he was asked the question, uh, Western Force players currently being looked at for the Wallabies this year and, and he said that, look, given that you've only played a couple of games, it's, it's difficult to draw how much form players are in at the moment but he, he certainly said that in the years to come that that even if the western force aren't part of super rugby that they would be looked at for international honors i'm sure that's a pleasing thing to to hear um is there a feeling though that within the, the playing group that the pathway for the western force can be to the wallabies yeah absolutely and uh like you sort of touched on there, it's difficult, might be difficult in this first year with our games sort of uh, spaced out a little bit. But as we move forward over the years and the competition condenses and we get home and away series, um, obviously our cross-ball games, things like that, things that we're looking at moving forward in the future, um, it gives guys a lot of hope. And I guess more so the younger guys that are coming through, say our future force, our academy setups there, and making sure that pathway is still alive. Um, you know, it's no secret that we've developed Wallabies and your Matty Phillips and your Dane Halepettis, your Richard Hardwicks, um, you know, Andrew Rangi's knocking on the door, your Jermaine Dainsley. So the pathway's here, the talent's here, and we want to make sure that stays alive and making sure we've got a world-class program over here to facilitate that talent and make sure we keep developing moving forward and 
whatever the format looks like in terms of World Series rugby and you know the global rugby calendar changing in 2020. Could be an interesting few years with a few shake-ups there. Yeah, it's um, exactly. And, and I was just going to say, it's probably a better time perhaps than ever before in Australian rugby, certainly in the professional era, that you've got someone like Twiggy Forrest thinking outside the box because, you know, all options are on the table as to what Super Rugby might look like post-2020. I mean, there's some some sort of, you know, big discussions going on about exactly the makeup of the competition, what South Africa are going to do, you know, where does it leave New Zealand and Australia, what does the TV deal look like? So to be part of that mix, I would imagine for you guys, is, is pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like I said earlier, it's, it's making sure that people realise what we're doing here is bigger than Western Force versus the East Coast or who versus who. It's about making sure rugby, particularly in Australia, stays alive and stays thriving. We're not trying to... Um, we're obviously trying to make sure we're at the forefront of that and make sure that we're proactive. We want to be the pioneers in Australian rugby and making sure that Australian rugby, because that's the end goal, is obviously... Australian rugby, we want to see Australian rugby and the Wallabies do well, and that's all the way down through to the grassroots, whether it be our club systems, our school systems, and making sure we're, as a country, that we're strong there. So, obviously, we were trying to keep that at the forefront of our minds, and that's the idea here is to be the sort of proactive and innovators and the leaders there. Uh, and we'll bring it back to the here and now, but before we say goodbye, the Western Force Melbourne Rebels this weekend, in a couple of weeks' time, the Crusaders, no Australian sides beating the Crusaders in some time, but how much would it mean to go out there this Saturday and knock over the Rebels? <laughs> yeah, mate, obviously it's a big game, big two games coming up. We've, uh, Like I said, we've played obviously Fiji and Tonga. First two games under our belt, and now we're coming up against some real quality opposition, and I think um, obviously the fans are very pumped for it. Uh, pumped for it, sorry, the wider WA community are pumped for it, and obviously Australian rugby is pretty interested to see how everything goes and how we shape up, so yeah, we're certainly looking forward to it. I think it's going to mean a lot to the crowd, obviously, to see a lot of the players they used to support and seeing them all develop in their careers come out. It might be in a different jersey, which might be a bit different uh, for the Sea of Blue, but certainly going to be a special time for those players and those fans. Yeah. Um, you know, NIB means a lot to the players that have played here previously, and that jersey means a lot. And obviously, last year was a unique year we went through, and a lot of guys still have strong bonds over that and how we fought our way through that and had a really good year. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a pretty special occasion come Saturday night, and then obviously a couple of weeks following, it's a really good Crusaders outfit. Indeed, hopefully a few beers at the end of of Saturday night too. Yeah, absolutely. Might sneak in one or two and catch up in the change room. <laughs> and you mentioned special occasion. Just before we let you go, um, special occasion on the nineteenth of last month. You got married, mate. You tied the knot. Yeah, mate. Uh, tied the knot up at uh, the Mrs. Family property up in Mullaney. It was. Uh, Pretty special time. The Rebels actually had a buy, so a couple of those boys I used to play with came up, which was really uh, special. We had people from the UK, France, the Monaghan, the Van Bikes, all players I played with previously were able to make it. So, yeah, it was really special. Just a uh, big old country party, marquee, a few kegs. Uh, <laughs> old man built the dance floor on the table, so he was pretty proud of those. And, uh, yeah, the night went off really well, mate. We got really lucky with the weather, and main part was the bride enjoyed the day. So she was happy, everyone else was happy. That, yeah, happy wife, happy life. Well done, mate. Um, congratulations on that, and congratulations on, on everything that you're doing at the moment uh, with the Western Force. It's, uh, it's so special for, uh, obviously, West Australian rugby lovers in particular, but uh, for the game uh, as a whole. Well done, mate. Yeah, absolutely, and thanks very much for your time, guys. And, uh, yeah, look forward to catching up again over the next few weeks. Definitely. Cheers. Go well, and Thanks again. 
listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Ian Pryor joining us, and uh, he is one of the nice guys of Australian rugby, always has been, and it's great to have a chat with Ian. Now, the big test, Christy, on the weekend. It's something we seem to have been talking about for uh, many months now, the first three-test series between Ireland and Australia in history. So there's a bit of history to be made over the next few weeks. Who's going to win it? Who is going to win? Well, who's going to win the first test and who's going to win the series? I think I think the Wallabies. I think they will. I think there's a lot of players that are coming into form, and and we like to think that yes, Ireland has played their Grand Slam uh, Six Nation champions, but that was a few months ago. Um, and Leinster, we, we'd spoken to a couple of Leinster people and Jamie Heaslip and Scott Fardy recently, and we know how much they've been playing. They're they're going to drive here, and they're going to have to mentally prepare themselves again. So it's another new challenge for them. The Wallabies have just got to, I think, hang on to the ball. I think that they can't try to be too expansive. They've got to win the collision up front. Uh, and, and we saw that the, clearly against the Reds, the, the Waratahs, key men of Phipps, Foley, Beal, Fallout were, were brilliant. But I think you've just got to lay the platform here. Ireland's going to kick well. Connor Murray, Johnny Sexton, they're going to kick well. They're going to be clinical. And I think the Wallabies need to do that. So I think the Wallabies, if they can do that, they'll win by a try. I think they'll win the series 2-1. All right. Yeah, I think this first test, obviously. Who, who are you backing? Well, I, I think the first test is massive, and uh, I'm uh, of a similar thought. I think the Wallabies can win the first test, and I think they will win the series. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a clean sweep, but I think they will do enough to win the series. The thing I like about the Wallabies at the moment, and you touched on it, players in form. It hasn't always been the case over the last few years, heading into uh, test series and... Uh, the Rugby Championship and, and Bledisloe. But this time, it just feels like uh, the key players have come into form at the right time. And I hark back to something that Will Genia said earlier, and that is that, uh, yeah, a lot of these star players have been going since the British and Irish Lions tour. And um, they will find it difficult after a long, long season to come down and get up uh, physically and mentally and, and probably, more importantly, mentally because that is going to be the big challenge for them over the next few weeks. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting. Like this, It's been a long time since the Wallabies had their full-strength side. You look back at the last year's to, uh, end of season spring tour, Israel Folau doesn't go to, to that. We Poey missing. Poey missing. We didn't have Kirtley Beal either during that June series. So it's been a long time since all these guys have come together. A couple of other big test matches, Springboks England in the early hours of next Sunday or this Sunday morning is going to be huge. Springboks, a new coach, new captain, and Celia Khaleesi, massive uh, political statement as well. Um, oh, is that what it is? It certainly is. Speaking, of, I heard Brian Habana talking about just recently about how big that is for South African rugby. It so, is, but I like to think he's the best bloke for the job. Uh, he, he sounds like a cracking guy, and he's been doing a good job for the Stormers, but England need to get back on the horse after three straight defeats, and the All Blacks in France next Saturday afternoon, and they've got their own injury woes too. Yep, and uh, all of that you will see uh, on Fox Sports. And of course, um, speaking of Wallabies, former Wallaby captain James Hall joining us on Kick and Chase on Wednesday night on Fox Sports. Looking so looking forward, forward to, to catching yeah. up with him. Uh, and, you know, he's doing so well in England and back for a few weeks R&R. So terrific to be able to have a chat with James. Christy, thanks very much. Thank and, you, And uh, thank you for your company this week on the Fox Rugby Podcast. And thanks also to Dave Vessels, Will Genia and Ian Pryor. See you soon.